Welcome to today's episode of Let Me Be Brief. I'm your co-host, Andy Rieger of Jay Rieger & Co., joined as always by my best buddy, Matt Basinger. Oh, hey, buddy. We're drinking... What are we drinking today, Matt? Uh, Waterloo sparkling water with whatever you laced in it, probably. I put vodka in it. Uh, <laughs> we're today in the Let It Fly Media studios. We are in their new studios for this the very first time. Very exciting. Uh, they were able to do this massive expansion here at Let It Fly because of our podcast. Pretty amazing, uh, the economics of it. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Emprise Bank. As always, we love, they have Jackie in the room today. And we're joined today by Steve Bessenbacher, who is the managing partner at Crown Med Realty Partners. Steve, you're the first one in the studio at the new studio. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's an honor to be in this beautiful studio. Very it's, honored. It's real nice. It's going to be a big day. Uh, <laughs> the house, let me be brief built. <laughs> and Emprise Bank, obviously. See, let's, let's jump right into it. Uh, what do you do? So Crown Med Realty Partners is what we call a healthcare real estate investment firm. Mm -hmm. um, essentially, we go out and we buy medical office buildings across the country. Um, and then we hold on to them with our investors. Um, for long-term cash flow investment purposes. Um, and so we'll go out and buy a building that may be owned by a physician group and they wanna monetize that asset for you know, whatever reasons and we'll go and buy it from them and have them release it back to us. Um, or we'll go and buy a building from maybe a health system who is looking to you know, maybe deploy capital somewhere else and they'll use their, their assets to allow them to do that. Um, or we'll just buy it from a third party or develop it ourselves. So uh, our strict focus is on healthcare real estate, and uh, coast to coast is where we're, we go out and buy. So you say, you say we. Uh, how big is your organization? Where are, are you based here in Kansas City? Where else do you have offices? Where are you operating? Uh, give us a little bit of that scoop. So we are, uh, we are Kansas City-based. Um, in fact, Crown Med Realty, we launched in April 1st of this year. Oh, wow. Um, and so uh, my, my man, other managing partner, Brian Beggs, um, and I had been working at Block Real Estate Services for, I was there for about 10 years. Brian's been there for about 20 years uh, and grew up through the ranks over there um, and really in the last eight years focused on medical real estate. Okay. And as we started growing bigger and bigger, we felt that the best way for Crown, for, for us to take our, ourselves to the next level was to really be focused solely on healthcare as a company. Sure. Um, and so Brian, myself, and then uh, Stephen Block and Ken Block um, formed Crown Med Realty Partners. It's a complete standalone company, mm -hmm. uh, unaffiliated with Block, that's sole focus on healthcare. And so we launched it in, in April uh, of this year. So um, we have nine employees right now. Oh, dang. Um, so we're, we're pretty small. Yeah. Um, efficient, but we like to use. We're very efficient. Uh, right now, we're off on the plaza. Uh, we are subleasing space in the, in the block offices for right now. And, um, you know, we're just coming up at the end of our first nine months at the end of this year. So one question sort of before we continue to dive in, you know, when you talk about finding properties and you, you talked about more or less the standard approach seems to be finding a physician group that owns their own building and buying it from them. But then you talked about being a developer as well. How do you develop a building with the intention of having a specific type of tenant in that building? Don't you have to sort of partner with the future tenant to begin with before you develop the building? Not necessarily. Um, we like to. You know, there are spec, we call spec developers that will go out and say, this is going to be a good location for a medical office. And then you kind of build it and hope they come. 
that's not really the, the way we like to do things. And it's not really the way our lenders like to do things. Um, so through our relationships, we may have a physician group that says, hey, we want to own our own building. We want to develop a brand new building, but we don't know how to. Or we want to continue to be doctors and bring in an expert to help us do that. So we'll work with the physician group to say, where do you want to be? Find the right land, acquire the land, and develop it with them. Give them a chance to have ownership with us in the deal. And it's kind of the best of both worlds for them. So from the development standpoint, that's how we, we do it. We usually find a, an anchor tenant, if you will. And so then do you guys have a, in terms of the way your company is structured, you know, are you more or less a company that just invests in real estate? And so it's just you're funding the corporate level and then you're doing as much as you can throughout time. If you need to raise more money, fantastic. Is each individual building its own separate LLC that is just an asset of the corporate structure? Are you raising a fund and you guys are the GP and you're always looking One for question LPs? At a time no, there. it's all the same you've question. Great, it's all the same question. On this. Uh, uh, everything that we do, and there, you'll see everything across the board in our industry from you know real estate investment trust REITs that are focused on those to um, family funds to individual funds, we go the single asset LLC way. So... For example, you know, one of our big acquisitions here in Kansas City recently, uh, we bought all the dermatology and the skin cancer buildings here in town uh, back in July. And um, that was a situation where we basically created a single asset LLC, um, went under contract, found our lender, bought those buildings, and before we closed, we had raised the equity needed from ourselves and then other investors of ours, and then we close on it, and that LLC basically holds those assets, um, and it generates cash flow, you know, over time. Um, but that's just for that specific for group that. of buildings. Correct. Correct. So, so um, it's not a fund structure where it's nope. a GPLP. It's nope. a. So, how do you guys decide and delineate then in that specific scenario? How much equity capital, or how much contributed equity, I should say, the I don't want to call them the GP, but the managing partners sure. of the LLC how much your group actually is putting in compared to the equity that you are needing as a whole. So the one of the really good benefits of coming out of the block real estate family of company, you know, they're a family-owned company that's been around since the 40s. And since the 40s, they have grown their investor list of just net worth friends and family over the years to the point where now we're sending out about 4,500 to 5,000 K1s a year to investors. Um, and so what happens is we may buy a building that say it's $10 million. We are more of a conservative borrower. We'll only put about 60 to 65% debt on that building, which leaves 35% to raise. So take that $10 million building. We get a loan from our friends at Emprise for 6.5 million. We'll go out and raise 3.5 million at roughly $35,000 a point, if you will. Sure. And we'll do our own, hey, we want to put 10% in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then we'll go out and we'll do a syndication to our investor group and we'll push that out there and within two days it'll be sold out. Sure, but but you're putting in dollar for dollar what you're raising on the street as well. You're not getting more or less any sweat equity in that scenario. We are, well, there is a carried, we take a carried interest in things for putting up our own balance sheet. The nice thing about what we do is when an investor comes in, they're risking what they invest. Um, where we're putting up our balance sheet. If there is a guarantee on the lease or anything, I mean, on the loans, we're putting up our own balance sheet and we're taking on that additional risk. For that, we take a 5% carried interest on on our raise 
And then from there on forward, we're all pro rata partners. Can There's you sort no of staggered uh, investors? Can you then walk through how that carried interest component works for the listeners? Yeah. So really, so we're raising, you know, it's a very buzzy word. No, it, it is right now, especially if, if, in the political world. If, if we're raising, you know, um, we're going to raise 100% of the equity from 95% of the investors, which creates that 5% carried interest. Um, going forward, we're all pro rata members. So when we pay out cash flows to the investors on a monthly basis, once our tenants pay their rents, um, we distribute that out on a pro rata basis. Uh, where you start to see more of the accounting piece of it is on maybe the disposition or the sale of the asset. Um, we're longtime owners of properties so that we haven't experienced a whole lot of those dispositions where we've liquidated. We've typically just will 1031 exchange and go buy, you know, redeploy that money somewhere else. So you talk about being long-term owners of properties, right? Annie and I both come from more of a retail space. Mm -hmm. We dabble in real estate as well. But like when, when a medical tenant is coming in or when you're purchasing that property and doing a lease back, are you signing 10-year leases, 30-year leases? Like what does that process look like to both set you all up for just consistency as well as tell your investors like, hey, we're, this group is gonna be here forever. Right, so that's, that's the biggest thing is, is the length of lease term. So when we go out, you know, kind of our elevator speech is, mm -hmm. you know, on when we're buying an asset, we want at least a combined 10 years lease term on, our, on the buildings we're gonna buy from a third party. Mm -hmm. If we're doing a sale lease back with a group, we're at a minimum a 12 year lease okay. um, with 2% bumps per year. Um, that way when I go out and I get my loan, of seven-year loan typically, mm -hmm. I've got five years of lease hangout, which gives the lender a little bit more yeah. comfort that we've got some, some staying power. And also gives me a chance to go back to the tenant at that point and say, we've paid down equity over the time. Mm -hmm. What can we do to maybe get you to extend a little bit longer at that point in time yeah. too? And is 2% standard for just the Kansas City? Like our, no, it's, across, it's okay. across the country. It really yeah. is. I mean, you, we're seeing some of the REITs even push it more, yeah. but 3%. Sure. And, and what happens though, is when you go in at a 3% bump over 12 years, when you get to that 10th, 11th year, you're so out of market on those rents, it's it, the physician group's like, I, I can't afford this anymore. Sure. So 2% so standard for us. Some groups will you know, ask for one or one, <laughs> one and a half percent. Yeah. It's all factored out in what the cap rate is. Sure. Um, but typically it's a 12 year lease, 2% bumps per year is what we shoot yeah. for. Because in the retail space, it's not uncommon to have a three or four percent bump, but these, these right. are also groups who are less sustainable. Yep. Oftentimes, than I mean, medical's not going anywhere, right? Right. Well, that's, that's what we the say. Goal. You know, typically, most doctor <laughs> groups will move once in their once in their their career. It's kind okay. of what it's kind of what the industry yeah. standard is, right? Um, but and and they'll move more times, you know. But uh, but they're pretty stable asset. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of coupon clipping. Yeah. So Block has a good name, obviously, here in Kansas City. You guys talked about being Kansas City-based, being nine months old. When you started the company, did you have goals in mind of, hey, this is what we want to do year one, this is where we hope to be year five, this is the big picture of what we hope to, to be in 2050? Sure. Like, what, what did that look like for you from a formation standpoint? When we sat down and started looking at this, we're like, you know, historically over, um, say, the last four or five years, mm -hmm. um, Brian and I have done about, We'll do about seventy-five to eighty million dollars a year in, in acquisitions of medical office buildings. That all goes straight into your pocket, right? That's just, yeah, exactly. Right. I wish, um, <laughs> you know, with tuitions and also with kids. Now I wish I'd love to have it go in my pocket, but yeah. no. Uh, so we're spending about that much money to buy these buildings on a given year's the transaction size. It was interesting. Once we close on starting, once we close March thirty-first and start the new company, we'll end up at the end of December 
around $150 million in the nine, first nine months, wow. which blows out anything we thought of. And, yeah. and really the, our, our, our thought process there, why, why is this happening? You said 150? Yeah. And so and we about doubled. And he's doing math. We about doubled what we thought we were going to do. And, and really what drove that, we really think, is that you know, we still have Stephen and Ken Block as a part of our company, mm-hmm. but now it's a standalone, it's standalone company that focuses solely on healthcare. Yep. Block has been a phenomenal company that's done you know, industrial, multifamily, retail, office. They do a little bit of everything, and they're great at what they do, but now we're focused on just this. And, and Brian and I are not brokers. We're not out there trying to lease a building with somebody. You know, we're going yeah, we're to deals together. We're not competitors to maybe the other brokerage houses sure. around. And so, uh, but the other part of that is that when we, we built a name for ourselves on the national level that other brokers across the country were their first call. We're mm. seeing a significant amount of off-market deals yeah. because when, when they come to us, we close. Yeah. You know, we don't retrade them. And you get in those, the REIT level folks, you know, they're, they're this nickel and dime in every process. And, and I want to cut in right there real quick yep. because Andy asked a REIT question earlier for those who are listening and yep. are not familiar with what that means, yep. like me. Tell so me more. A REIT is a real estate investment trust. The best <laughs> way and sim- you, buddy. simplest way to put it is um, it's like a mutual fund mm-hmm. of buildings. Yep. Uh, and so uh, a REIT is somebody who's going to go out there and they're going to buy, they might have 50 medical office buildings, and you're investing into that company who owns all those buildings. You don't own in just one building. Sure. Uh, so, you know, 65% of your investment comes from a bank. Yep. Right. How important is it to just be able to pick up the phone and be able to just have your bank be like, yep, I know you, we're doing a deal, let's roll. It's huge. I mean, that's, we were talking about that a little bit earlier. Um, the biggest thing about that is, you know, time is, is of the essence when we're doing these deals. It's such a competitive market uh, on the medical space right now um, that, you know, the best thing you can do is deliver. And so when I can call, you know, a, a, a Mike Sullivan in Cincinnati, Ohio, and he says, you know, Steve, I got this building. Are you going to be able to do this? I said, I've got my lender with me. I'm ready to go. They've seen that they're ready to go. I, we're there. That separates us from a lot of folks being able to do that. And you guys use Emprise Bank a lot for we do. that process. And we so, do. and so, what what did it take? You know, for listeners out there, what does it take to really get to that point in a relationship with your bank where you both just trust each other to where you just pick mm-hmm. up the phone and they're like, "Great, if you're if you guys are vetting it and you're throwing in the 35 percent, right." We're in. Um, it's really getting to that first deal. I mean, that first deal is, you know, there's some back and forth, you know, going through, you know, things like loan documents and the process and, and making sure everything's right. Um, but once, you know, you get a lender that says, yeah, you know what, we understand this. And I'm loaning you money for seven years, but you have a 12-year lease that's guaranteed by the physicians. It's a pretty easy mm-hmm. decision to make. Yep. Um, so then it comes down to what the interest rates are. You know, and hey, we need this interest rate to make this work. Can you guys get there? The bank will say, yeah, we can do that. Well, then I, I feel good. I can go on the way, tell the brokers that we're going to buy this building. And then, you know, we get down to the loan documents and closing. Once you get through one that, that goes smoothly, and it's, it's not a lot of arguing back and forth and paying the lawyers a lot of money to negotiate documents, it's easy to pick up that phone again and say, hey, Trey, over at Emprise, we got this building in Brunswick, Georgia. Will you go with us? And he's like, I'm in. Let's go. You know, they're uh, arguably, like with Max's with, with, yeah, with Matt. I'm just are, like, hey, are we going to like 
you know, I need to throw an axe to get some energy out. And he's like, I know a place. Um, we're, we're there. <laughs> Arguably, axe throwing is a great stress relief. And I've heard that there's some medicinal qualities to uh, whiskey. Well, I'm a doctor because I make whiskey. <laughs> I can't get the axes to stick. I, I don't have the flick down right. Well, you're not we'll, supposed to be we'll, flicking. We'll, that's, we'll, that's the issue we'll, right there. We'll, we'll edit there's this no, segment there is out no, of the final There's production. no flicking of the wrist. That is the key to axe throwing. But we will do that another time. What about, what about flipping to, of the wrist? Uh, nope. You want to keep that wrist nice and, nice and straight. Hey, we're getting off track. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, don't apologize. It's Andy's fault. Usually. Hey, uh, this is called Let Me Be Brief, which mm -hmm. means we need to do that, sure. which means we're running out of time. And okay. so uh, I don't want to talk about business anymore. I have okay. one final question. For I you. do. So I'm sorry that this isn't called Let Me Be Extended. Yeah. I mean, we have lots of other questions. We're just not going to ask them. Okay. And that's me saying that. So Andy hears that so that he doesn't butt in and ask one more question. Hey, what's the coolest thing you've ever done? You know, uh, this was a, this is a question we've been, my wife and I've been talking about because I knew this question was coming. Yes. And, and, and honestly, I'm, it's not super exciting from like a thrill-seeking deal. I'm most of my experiences of, of being, you know, are sports-related. Yeah. Um, and I had the on I, you know, because of the way the company's gone and having some successes, I had the ability uh, last year, not this past, no, two two Novembers ago, uh, to take both my dad uh, and my father-in-law and my nephew who flies Ospreys in the Marines. I took all three of them to the Army Navy game. Awesome. And and got to be the spend the whole weekend all on me taking them and they were my guests and that's what we gave them for Christmas. And I love that. That was a bucket list item that was just really cool yeah. and that we loved. There's no. nothing more frustrating than watching Navy play football. <laughs> it, it, it's like it's like watching the Ravens play football against the Chiefs. The patch tree before the game and after may Too have been more, the most exciting part of it. Yeah. The 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 the, the option game nonstop was not so much. Yeah. Well, hey, on behalf of Emprise Bank, uh, on behalf of the J. Rieger & Co. Distillery, Let It Fly Media, and of course, Wellspark, we so appreciate you making time to share with us what you're doing. We wish you continued success throughout the rest of your first year and look forward to just seeing how you guys continue to grow and, and pour back here in Kansas City. Thank you both very much for having me. I really appreciate that.